Radio, where we inspire, motivate, and create. Thank you. 
Hi, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Hair and Skincare Product Talk Show with me, Angela McGee. I'm your cosmetic chemist, and all about essential oils. So I hope that if you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you've been enjoying the series, welcome back, and thanks for joining tonight. So uh, if you've never listened to this show before, uh, what we try to do on this show is we talk about different products and this series all about is breaking down hair care and skin care products into some of the key ingredients that are used to make these products great. So if you've been listening, we've talked about oils, uh, we've talked about butters, uh, and tonight we're going to be talking, like I said, about essential oils. So we're going to jump right in because we've got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, and so I'm hoping tonight I can share a whole lot of information with you about uh, essential oils, but by all means, feel free to call in, share your experience with some, some of your favorite oils or some you're not quite sure about. Let's kind of chat about that. If you'd like to join the show uh, by calling in, the guest call-in number is 657, and then just press 1, and then we'll be able to cue you in so you can give us your comment or your question. So tonight, again, all about essential oils. So if you recall, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the uh, idea of carrier oils, okay? Because a lot of times people get confused. Uh, when you start talking about oils, there's butters, there are carrier oils, there are essential oils, and it's key that you know the difference between those three because they're not the same. Uh, so essentially, an essential oil uh, is distilled from a plant. So a lot of times what the manufacturer will do is take a large volume of whatever it is. So, for example, something we're all familiar with, lavender essential oil. What a manufacturer will do is harvest a great, just a large quantity of lavender flowers and steam distill it until the essential oils in it come out. Now, the reason why these ever tried to buy essential oils, they can tend to be really outrageously expensive in some cases, is because it can take a huge number of plants, whether it's the leaf that we're extracting in some cases or flower buds. It can take a very, very large number to get a sizable amount of oil. Whereas if you look for any kind of plant oil, which we normally call those carrier oils, avocado oil, almond oil, those are extracted by pressing seeds or kernels. And so you can get quite a bit more oil out, and consequently those cost a whole lot less than what an essential oil is, and they function differently in products. So tonight, if you haven't heard about the carrier oil show, go back to the replay. We have our uh, replay stored on WISDradio.com and go to the Hair and Skin Care product talk page, and you can see the replay there or go out on Spotify. Either way, so uh, we're, we're growing and expanding uh, WISD Radio on the move. But tonight we're going to be talking about those essential oils. So like I said, it, they, uh, are, they come from leaves, roots, plants, that sort of thing. And you get the aromatic part of a plant. So what does that mean? That means that you um, essentially can smell an essential oil. So let's go back to our example, lavender essential oil. So 
essentially lavender essential oil will smell just like inhaling the plant in a very concentrated way, that flowery smell. Um, and so essential oils a lot of times are used in what's called aromatherapy, uh, but they also have the key to aroma therapy is there's part aroma, that's what you can smell. So generally they have a, lot, a louder, more prominent smell than uh, what you have in terms of a uh, carrier oil, but you also have the, the therapeutic side. So with essential oils, you have to be really, really careful that you understand exactly what you're dealing with with an essential oil and how to use them. So this is an area that if you're intending to use essential oils, you really have to read and do your homework so that you don't uh, introduce something uh, health-wise that could be uh, harmful to yourself or others. So let's jump right in. Again, we're talking about some of the things you need to understand about essential oils. Now, before we get in, there is one more distinction. So we talked about carrier oils and what they are for. They are often used in conjunction with essential oils because essential oils are so concentrated, so potent, uh, and so expensive, you use a carrier oil to dilute an essential oil. So you very rarely will use an essential oil in its uh, concentrated form right out of the container that you get it in. Uh, most of the time you will, again, um, add it to a carrier oil, and then you'll go about whatever the application is. And we're going to talk about applications a little bit more later on. Second thing we want to know before we dig into some of the specifics about essential oils is that there's also fragrance oils. So a lot of people confuse essential oils and fragrance oils, and what's the difference between the two? So fragrance oils are generally synthetic compounds, okay? Um, they can smell like any number of things, uh, including they can mimic the smell of plants. So while you can buy lavender essential oil, you can also buy lavender fragrance oil, which means it's synthetically created, smell like that lavender plant, whereas the essential oil naturally has oils from the plant. Does that make sense? All right, so that's what we're kind of using as our basis here. And it's important to know the distinction because there are times when you, if you are ever shopping for oils, if you don't understand the difference, some uh, companies use the terms interchangeably. I'll give an example. Um, one, of, uh, one of our key brands uses what's called uh, tuberose. If you're not familiar with that, it's a white flower in the white floral category, kind of like gardenias, honeysuckle. Those are what are called the white florals or white accords. And so... Um, what they were, we were starting to blend this product, and they said, hey, I use tuberose essential oil, which is really, really, really expensive because, as I told you, the uh, essential oil is uh, gathered by taking a large number of, in this case, it would have been the flower buds themselves, pressing them until you get an oil. And the oil was so economical that I thought, oh, that's kind of, it made me question that a little bit, not from the customer side, but from the supplier side. So I reached out to the supplier who said, well, there's, there's a little bit of essential oil in a lot of fragrance oils. So that's why it's so important to understand uh, what you have here so that you'll know what you're buying. 
And, again, a lot of people want to stay away from fragrance oil. So if you're making all-natural products and you're not careful and you're using fragrance oil, uh, very often when people have allergic reaction to products, one of the first things that it is caused by, if it's not an actual essential oil or plant allergy, it's usually in either the uh, artificial colorants that we put in products or from the fragrance oils, not essential oils, okay? So hopefully that makes a little bit of sense to you, but you really have to be able to discern, am I buying an essential oil, which is from a plant, Am I buying a fragrance oil, which is a synthetic? Now, that doesn't mean synthetic fragrance oils are all unsafe. It just means that they are not the same as essential oils for the purposes of what we're talking about tonight. So we're going to come back to fragrance oils in our next segment, which is going to be all about additives. So let's keep going on the essential oil front because I know you're dying to hear about that. So tonight we're going to dig into because this is the hair and skincare product talk show, we're going to talk about some essential oils. Literally, there are just hundreds upon hundreds of essential oils, and even within that, there are varieties of the same plant. And so we're going to dig into some of them that are beneficial to hair and skincare, because that's what this show is all about, right? Uh, so we want to talk about which ones are great for uh, hair and skin and why. And then we're also going to spend some time uh, talking about what makes a product smell good. So some of them work well, just kind of like vegetables, you know. They're good for us, but we don't like all vegetables. And so essential oils will be the exact same way when you start creating products. Some of them are really good in terms of the benefits and the usage, but the uh, aesthetics and, in this case, the smell of them, and in some cases it's color may not lend what we want in a product. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And as I told you, we started our last uh, segment with a maker's corner. So for those of you out there in listening land that are making your own products or your DIYers or crafters, we're going to talk about some key points that you want to keep in mind as you start experimenting with essential oils in the hair and skincare product realm. Um, now, disclaimer before we start, just like we did with herbs, is you have essential oils that you use topically, and some people, um, in terms of doing aromatherapy and herbal supplementation, some people are um, actually ingesting essential oils. What we're going to be talking about tonight are some, uh, some principles. We're going to be talking about some of the uh, benefits that um, can come from essential oils, but nothing we're talking about tonight should serve as medical advice. Because, again, because you're using an actual plant extract, uh, it's very possible to have an allergy to one of the essential oils because, again, it's made from a plant. And people often have plant allergies. Um, and also, um, they actually have therapeutic value in some cases. And so there are some that we use the term contraindications. That's a big fancy term for side effects, right? So there are some cases in which based on your own medical condition, it's best not to use things uh, that um, have certain effects. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. So, again, if you're interested in using essential oils uh, in a more therapeutic way, by all means, absolutely, without question, reach out to your doctor who knows your health history and can tell you whether or not, you know, you're uh, going to put yourself in harm's way when you deal with essential oils. Okay? So, with that behind 
behind us, we're going to jump right in and talk a little bit about, we're going to start with skin care. So um, some of the things that we want to keep in mind in terms of skin care is that um, we're talking again topically. In, in this case, we're all talking about topical application. So um, when we talk about some uh, essential oils that are topically applied, let's go back to the principles. Remember what I told you at the beginning? Essential oils, very concentrated. So therefore, you tend not to, and most manufacturers will tell you, not to take your bottle of peppermint oil, if that's what you're using, and apply it directly from the essential oil bottle to your skin. Again, we're using the carrier oil in order to do that. So it's a certain amount that you're adding to a carrier oil to be able to apply to the skin. Let's talk about why that is. Why is that? If you've ever used essential oils, they are very um, what you call volatile. And the word, if you're not familiar with that word, that means they evaporate quickly. They're very thin, and they penetrate the skin very quickly. Um, so as soon as you put a drop on the skin, you'll pretty much see it uh, disappear, as opposed to think about dropping uh, some cooking oil on the skin. It'll sit on the skin. Some will get absorbed, but the vast majority will. Essential oils are not that way. So carrier oils help do exactly what they're called. They carry and they help slow down the uh, bioactivity or absorption rate of an essential oil. That's why manufacturers tell you to always use it, uh, use an essential oil in a carrier oil and not directly on the skin. So the other thing that a carrier oil does is, remember we talked about it's, some oils are very, very expensive. If you think of some of the most expensive Expensive essential oils, some that come to mind are sandalwood. So I got some numbers for you just so you'll kind of understand. Now, I don't know what kind of financial situation you're in, but these numbers are pretty high to me. So I'm going to give them to you like I got them from one of my suppliers. So here we go. So if you think about sandalwood essential oil, if you bought one ounce of that, it could cost you anywhere from $80 to $100 an ounce. Okay, just one ounce of uh, sandalwood essential oil, anywhere from eighty to a hundred dollars. Jasmine essential oil, ninety-four dollars and up per ounce. Uh, we talked about tuberose; it's in that same category, uh, way up there near a hundred dollars an ounce. Chamomile essential oil, very very expensive in the sixty to seventy dollar per ounce range. So as you can see, it'd be very, very difficult for you to take that uh, a, an ingredient that costs that much and make a product in an undiluted fashion uh, that really was affordable in any way, form, or fashion uh, because you would literally be using drops at the cost of a dollar or more per drop if you were to uh, just try to apply it directly to a product or to you, okay? So again, you want to know that so that when you start trying to source oils, you know which ones up. If you see a sandalwood essential oil for $5 an ounce, you know you're typically not getting uh, an essential oil. You're getting maybe some essential oil that's dropped into a carrier oil, and they call that a dilution. And that can be okay because that's what you're going to do anyway, but you want to, again, be informed and know what you're buying. So you kind of have to know what really is a reasonable cost. Uh, for 
for those ladies out there buying a handbag, it's the same way, right? You know how much a certain designer's bag is. So if you see one for a price that's way off the mark, then you know that's probably a knockoff bag. Same deal here. So let's jump right on in. We're talking about skin. So some of the key essential oils that are used in skincare, um, frankincense, probably heard about that from the Bible, but it's reported to help you with um, blemish reduction, okay? Uh, lavender essential oil, that's popular both in skin and in hair, so we're going to come back to that a couple of times tonight. Uh, but it talks about oxidative stress. So what is that? Helping the body not be in an upstate to uh, soothe the nerves and calm down what's called the autonomic immune system, right? So what does that mean? It means that, you know, you talk about lavender, and a lot of times we put that in bath products, nighttime products. Even you see it in baby products where um, they scent the product with lavender and they report that it helps you sleep and that sort of thing. So it has this reported calming effect for skin. So, again, if you had inflamed skin, um, being able to help the skin calm down, relax, and uh, not be in an upstate upset I'm having a little trouble with that tonight. Ups, upset state of skin uh, will help your, uh, it will reportedly help your skin uh, be able to heal itself and uh, you'll you be able to do some repair work there. Uh, sandalwood, we talked about that, extremely expensive, but um, it's reported to have inflammation reduction when used on the skin. Uh, peppermint oil, um, a lot, I do a lot of formulating with peppermint oil. And uh, essentially, people love uh, from the time of uh, the, the hair doctor and all this kind of stuff where you had these products that cool, itchy scalps, people have fallen in love with the feel of menthol and the feel of peppermint essential oil on the scalp. Because basically, when you apply it to the skin, it has this immediate cooling effect. Uh, and basically, what it's doing is it uh, causes the blood vessels to con uh, to restrict themselves. So it pushes blood flow away a bit, and so uh, you're basically it has this cooling sensation on the skin. Uh, now, if your skin's itching or your scalp is itching, a lot of times that will help soothe that, even though it's not actually in and of itself. That cooling feel isn't actually stopping the itch. It's stopping the sensation because it reroutes that blood flow. So you use it quite a bit. Um, the one thing you do have to be careful about with peppermint essential oil is that you want to keep that off the mucous membranes, right? So what's that? Around your eyes, around your nose. Uh, those uh, Peppermint essential oil would be extremely irritating to get into your eyes, um, to get on near around your nose. Uh, you will feel it in your sinus cavity. Um, sometimes people will steep like peppermint uh, leaves. Now, I know we're not talking about herbs tonight, but it has that same effect and can help open up your passageways for the same reason. But you want to keep it off those mucous membranes so you don't have irritation. So, again, remember I told you, if you start thinking about using these things, you have to understand what principles, what properties, and what side effects so that you know how to safely use them. Um, and certainly you wouldn't want it in the eye. That would be uh, quite the stinging, uh, uncomfortable feeling. Might feel great on the scalp, won't feel great on the eyes. So uh, peppermint essential oil, keep it away from the uh, eyes, keep it away from the nose, right? Okay, 
And uh, one of the other uh, or the other category within skincare is really this um, your rosacea, um, and which is redness. Um, that that's all about uh, redness on the skin, where the skin is um, reacting to uh, sunlight, spicy foods. It's it's an improper uh, functionality of the capillaries in the skin is what rosacea is. So it it, it can occur mostly. You see it in Caucasians or people of lighter skin tones, uh, but there are some reports of people of color uh, having rosacea as well. Uh, but essentially, it's a it's the improper uh, response to that capillary system of the skin. So when you think about some anti-inflammatory type things, um, some of the um, essential oils used in that kind of way on the skin: rosemary essential oil, basil and turmeric, right? So those three really kind of have a good reputation around helping um, this anti-inflammatory, kind of calming the skin down in that way. So just as a recap, some of the things we've got, frankincense um, with blemish reduction, lavender with this oxidative stress and just kind of relaxation, sandalwood for inflammation, peppermint for cooling the skin, and then the rosemary, basil, and turmeric, also anti-inflammatory. So I will tell you the reason why you don't see sandalwood used that often is what I've already mentioned to you, is that it's so very expensive. Um, and it's so aromatic that it essentially it really, really has a, um, a very notable smell. Uh, it's very woodsy. Um, if you don't like woodsy types of aromas, it can uh, to some people it suggests male products, uh, male as in uh, male female. Um, and so for those reasons, uh, you don't see sandalwood used that often in the um, female products or unisex products, um, and again, mostly the expense of it all. So those are some options that help you kind of think about why are some of these ingredients in my skincare. So we are right at the top of the hour, and we're going to take a quick little break and come right back after the break and jump right into hair care and use of essential oils in aromatics. So we're talking about fragrances. So see you right back after the break. This is Andre Crouch. Let the church say amen. See you right after the break.
Uh, but let's talk about hair loss first, and then we'll kind of broaden that out within the hair care arena. So, first of all, I mentioned rosemary. So, what is it reported to do in almost every DIY uh, growth serum, growth oil? You're going to hear a rosemary essential oil being used. It's readily available. It's not that expensive. Uh, but what does it do? And why do you think hair so uh, consistently? And it's because, again, the way it interacts with the scalp is basically as a stimulant. So instead of like that peppermint oil, which kind of diverts blood flow away from the scalp, giving you that cooling feel, rosemary is a stimulant. So it can, uh, without a whole lot of irritation, um, you'll actually just feel a little bit of sensation on the skin with rosemary. Again, diluted, not directly. Uh, but you'll feel uh, this stimulating effect, right, which helps to bring blood flow, which brings nutrition back to the uh, scalp area, which can promote hair growth. Now, is it in and of itself going to make your hair grow? Absolutely not, okay? So let's be clear about that. So don't think that you're going to hang up, uh, shut the show off, run out, get your rosemary essential oil, and you're ready to grow a whole new head of hair. Um, but it does play a part in terms of helping with that blood flow to the scalp, which then should help your uh, natural blood supply be able to nourish the hair follicles. The other part of it is nutrition. So we're just taking a little segue away from this because everybody's always listening for the magic bullet. And when it comes to hair loss and hair growth, there is no magic bullet. It's all about topical. It's all about what you take internally. It's about how you treat your hair, and it's about your health, right? So all those have to come together in a good balance for you to be able to effectively grow nice, strong, healthy hair. But rosemary in your products can help with that stimulating effect, which can help give you some of the right, you know, steps in the right direction in terms of growing hair. The other thing that rosemary uh, has been tied to is really in terms of topically using an essential oil to treat dandruff, okay? And why is that? Because it has some of this antimicrobial uh, behavior as well. And so remember we talked about that last week, dandruff, uh, that tends to be different than psoriasis or eczema. They're not the same thing. They can look Similar dandruff and eczema, sometimes people get them confused uh, because they both cause flakes uh, on the scalp, different from psoriasis, which is scaling. But people confuse those two. But dandruff is because of a bacterial imbalance. So if you know anything about the skin, the skin has bacteria on it. Some of it's supposed to be there, but when it gets out of balance, good to bad, like dandruff. And so rosemary essential oil can help treat dandruff. Um, because it helps to balance out the good and the bad microbes on the skin. Okay, we talked about lavender and skin care. Um, it actually is uh, one that is carried over into hair care to help promote growth. Uh, clary sage, we're used to sage in dressing. You know, we talked about sage as a herb last week. Uh, but clary sage, the essential oil, uh, is promoted as strengthening the follicles, right? So, again, you have uh, essential oils that are bioactive, but you do need to put them in a carrier oil. So if you're thinking about using something like sage uh, to help promote hair health, you would want it in one of the very, very light 
um, oil. So you never would want to use something like castor oil. While it's a great oil for the hair, it's not that easily absorbed. You want something really like, uh, for example, your apricot kernel um, or something like your sweet almond oil. Those lighter weight oils would be some that more readily absorb coconut oil, things like that, right? Okay, so uh, clary, sage, and then cedar wood. So if you think about what you put in your closet, it keeps the moths away. It's that same, uh, it's the extract of that wood, um, and it's called cedar wood. Not a terribly expensive, uh, but it is very aromatic. So it smells just like what that, those little wood chips, those little balls you put in your closet. But, again, it's promoting uh, health of the scalp, uh, which helps uh, the hair growth. Okay? What else? Patchouli, uh, for those born in the 70s or uh, even before, uh, that's one we kind of uh, hear about with uh, Woodstock and uh, hemp seed oil and that sort of thing. But patchouli, it has a very distinctive aroma to it. Uh, it's one of those love it or hate it. Um, but it does help with uh, bacterial control. Um, and so it can be used in terms of a dandruff treatment. Uh, now, we talk about those, be aware that you should never, ever uh, dabble in these oils without really understanding whether you have allergies or whether you have health conditions. Uh, a word of warning about patchouli oil is that it may, for those that are um, struggling with uh, things like um, they're taking blood thinners or things, uh, medications that uh, help you with clotting of blood, it can interfere with that kind of medication. So that would be just one more example of why you want to be very, very careful that you understand the impact of some of these oils um, on your health before you start dabbling with them, both internally and externally. Um, if we didn't mention it, if I didn't mention it earlier, I want to circle back uh, because that reminds me about rosemary. So rosemary, same thing, great. You know, we talked about that stimulant effect. Uh, it also has warnings with it. So be very careful about if you're pregnant, be careful about that because you certainly don't want to stimulate contractions or things like that. Okay? So let's keep going. What are some of the other key oils that are used in the hair care arena, essential oils, that is? So combo pack here, we talked about peppermint oil, eucalyptus oil. Both of those are really what we call expectorants. So they help kind of cleanse the system. Um, and um, tea tree oil, it helps balance out. So you'll actually see tea tree on occasion in a skincare product. Uh, be careful, again, you don't want that in your eyes. Some of these you really want in your eyes, but tea tree oil can be particularly um, irritating to the eyes and, again, that sinus cavity, so right around your nose and the surrounding tissue right before your cheeks. You get tea tree oil, peppermint oil, eucalyptus oil on those areas, and it can really irritate the skin and uh, your sinus cavity. So be careful about that. Uh, one of my all-time favorites, uh, grapefruit essential oil. Love it. Personal favorite is pink grapefruit because the regular grapefruit has a, it smells just like a freshly cut grapefruit, very tart, very citrus, very sharp scent. Um, the pink grapefruit still has the same therapeutic effects, 
but the fragrance isn't as stark. So it's easier to blend with other things and make nicer fragrances out of, even when we're still trying to get therapeutic value. So what is that therapeutic value? I use pink grapefruit A a lot when it comes to um, antimicrobial, antifungal for the scalp, okay? Uh, Other one that I like to blend with pink grapefruit uh, is bergamot. So what is it? Because most people have never run into a bergamot. They're like, what is it? Don't know what that is. If you think about it, bergamot is really a hybrid between like a sour orange and a lemon. But if you've ever encountered lemon essential oil, lemon essential oil you would love to think smells like a fresh-cut lemon and like lemonade or the makings of lemonade, Um, but that's sadly not such case in most uh, times that you run into a lemon essential oil. It smells a little bit more like cough drop. Um, And so when you're trying to, if you're going to use it for therapeutic purposes, uh, lemon essential oil, again, you can get uh, that antimicrobial, any of these citrus seed uh, essential oils like bergamot, grapefruit, um, lemon, lime, you can get that same antimicrobial, uh, antifungal kind of functionality out of them. And I use all of them for that reason, along with your tea trees and that sort of thing. Um, but it can be a little harder to control the smell of lemon essential oil uh, if you don't you know, kind of want that cough, uh, cough drop smell versus you want lemonade. You're not getting lemonade. You're getting cough drops. Okay, moving on. Uh, one of my newest ones, I was uh, turned on to this one. I'd never used it before, um, and it's a love it or hate it. And that is uh, Cade essential oil, so C-A-D-E. Uh, so what is it? If you've never heard of it, it's made, uh, it's um, a specific type of wood, so a classification of wood called juniper. Uh, those are like uh, kind of piney, uh, that kind of class of tree. Uh, but Cade essential oil is really, um, they call it also juniper tar. So that kind of tells you it's a very dark colored oil. Um, it's very, it has a very smoky aroma to it. So if you use it, you're going to have to mask it with something really kind of uh, aromatic. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But uh, if you can master it, which I'm still learning how to master it, if you can master it, um, Cade really has, you know, we talk about these antimicrobial, antifungal. Uh, Cade really comes in, and it's uh, it's a really powerful player in terms of uh, calming down things like uh, psoriasis and that sort of thing. It's been used in, throughout Europe for many, many years for psoriasis, dandruff, eczema, uh, and just really uh, great results there without having to use things like coal tar. So some of your more popular products out on the market, I'm not going to use any uh, registered names out there, but there are some dandruff shampoos out on the market that are using tar. Um, and so in I don't know if you know this, but in the state of California, uh, they carry a list of items that really can't be used in products sold in California. And tar is very quickly, if it hasn't already made the list, so uh, if we're manufacturing products or thinking about things in California, you got to kind of get away from tar, uh, coal tar, that is. So I, I started to experiment with Cade, and I'm really uh, pleased with it. So I think Cade is one that you – do your research. Learn a little bit more about Cade. So 
Uh, again, we're talking about all about essential oils. If you're out there and you've got questions, we do have a few more minutes. Let me give you that gift call-in number. It's all been me, talk, 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 and I didn't uh, give you the number again. So it is 657-383-1772. So it's 657-383-1772. And if you want to ask a question or share your experience with essential oils, press 1, and we can kind of start that chat. So just as we get in the home stretch of the show, I do want to talk about aromatics. So we talk about uh, use for hair and skin care, but another uh, facet of skin care, kind of a closely related way that people uh, use or would like to use essential oils is for aromatic purposes. So if you think about your all-natural perfumes, what would make a perfume all-natural is to be able to get away from the use of scent fragrance oils that we talked about. So any of those oils that are made using compounds that duplicate the scent. So again, you could have lavender essential oil that's extracted from the plant. If you had lavender fragrance oil that's made in a laboratory, made in a manufacturing facility to smell like a plant without any plant components to it. So those are very different compounds. So your natural perfumes would be using blends of aromatic uh, or the better smelling uh, types of essential oils. So I'm going to give you a quick little list of those, and by all means, certainly read about these. You still want to do your due diligence, uh, but uh, we talked about bergamot. So remember, if you're not looking for a pure, crisp lime or a pure, crisp um, grapefruit, then bergamot, because most people don't know that whole cross between an orange and a lemon, it just has a nice fresh citrus scent. So if that's what you're looking for, bergamot's a great uh, addition to a product where you're looking for that citrus scent. I told you my favorite pink grapefruit, uh, lavender. A word about lavender. It's one of the more popular uh, fragrances, but you have to really go after the lavender that you can afford and the lavender that you will continue to source. Uh, because lavender, there are several species of lavender, just like think about roses. There are different kinds of roses, and they have different scents. Depending on where the lavender was grown, it has a slightly different scent. So if you're ever going to try to make it find one uh, that's as concentrated as you want it to be, you'll see things like lavender. Uh, which is a hybrid type of plant uh, to bring the cost down. It's kind of been modified a little bit so they get greater production. That's a variation of lavender essential oil. You'll see lavender 4020 in there. So there are a lot of different variations. So do your homework and uh, figure out which one you want. Guys, We looks like we have a caller. Let's see if we can take a caller right quick. So... Uh, Hi there. Hello, I don't know if that's me or what, because I'm listening to you. It is. Uh, this is Welcome to the show. Did you, did you have a question? You're live on the show. <laughs> did you have a question okay, or you just want to listen to us? I, I do have a question, and I, I hope I'm saying, asking the right way. I wanted to know how detrimental, if it is, for color. I know you're not talking about color tonight, but you're talking about cleansing hair. And I wanted to know, is it advantageous to put a rinse or whatever on your hair before shampoo? So you go in and your hair hasn't been shampooed, and then that uh, rinse 
uh, whatever is put on hair that's already dirty. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, um, we're gonna guys, we're gonna take a quick here, and we're gonna answer that question. So, if you didn't catch the question that was being asked, uh, it, it's a little bit different than what we're talking about here, but it's a great question. So, the question is around uh, going to basically a salon or even being at home and having hair that has been worn for whatever amount of time it's been since your last wash, and doing what um, the caller called it a rinse. So essentially, I know the spirit of asking about a rinse means that it's a semi-permanent color. So when you talk about semi-permanent colors, uh, semi-permanent colors for the greatest proportion of them sit on the outside of the hair. So they last, they they do bond to the hair, but not permanently. That's the whole concept of semi-permanent. Um, and so after X number of washes, usually they will say six to ten washes, the uh, color will rinse out. So what, what the question that's being put on the table is what happens if you apply that to hair that's not been freshly washed, okay? Now, with color products, uh, because whenever you wet the hair to wash it, you break the bonds in the hair and the hair is weaker and it changes the processing time, that's why people tell you not to use, uh, not to go ahead and wash and put color on afterwards. So to some extent, you're kind of locked in, but the watch out with using a rinse on hair that hasn't been cleansed in a while is if it's heavily built up, like let's say you have a lot of gels in there or you have uh, waxes and butters, a lot of buildup in the hair, um, it would basically make it very difficult for that semi-permanent color to bond to the hair because you got all that debris and other like oily substance that's coating the hair. So your color won't adhere as well, uh, and it'd be very difficult to get, you know, the result that you're looking. So largely it's not going to take that well. So that's the watch out with doing uh, a rinse on top of hair that's really heavily soiled. Okay? All right. So as we get back to uh, the last few minutes of the show, that was a great question, great question. And we're going to come back to talking about um, – all about additives next week. But I do want to share a few more notes to use to make sure your product smells really good in the essential oil world. Because if you play with essential oils, they don't all smell very good, a.k.a. my new favorite, uh, Cade essential oil. Um, so bergamot, we talked about pink grapefruit, lavender, and then lemongrass. So lemongrass has a lemony scent, uh, and it's a little bit herbally. And so sometimes you can use it to control uh, or overpower certain scents. For example, Cade. Uh, when I've had to try to overcome Cade, I throw in some lemongrass, and it kind of settles Cade down a little bit. So uh, one thing, though, lemongrass, very, very potent. So a little goes a very, very long way. So if you're going to blend with lemongrass for fragrance purposes, be very careful and really pay attention to measure out how much you use. Uh, and one of the last ones, I don't use it very often, uh, but surprisingly, bitter almond. Uh, you think about the almond plant, bitter almond uh, actually smells like cherry. Um, so go figure, right? Uh, but it has a, a very kind of cherry scent. So and when you're just thinking about producing things with pleasing smells, it may be one that you want to consider. All right. As we end the home, we're in the home stretch. We've got about five minutes left, and I had some, I promised you I was going to give maker's notes. 
uh, or the Maker's Corners. For those out there that are at home wanting to uh, try some of these things out, play around with it, we talked a little bit about natural perfumes. That's a good way to learn about these essential oils, a way to cheat in the natural perfume world. I'm really not a fan of cheating, but uh, this will be an exception. First of all, study. Okay, don't get or don't cheat on studying. Do study so you understand what medicinal properties essential oils have. But once you've done that, you can actually purchase blends. And now essential oils and naturals are so popular that you can buy things that are called like Serenity blend. And the manufacturers will have selected several essential oils that are blended together to give you that therapeutic serenity smell, right, or something that would actually help calm the nerves. Uh, but in that world, when you look at all these different blends, you, if you want to do a natural perfume, that's a perfect way to get started uh, with figuring out how to get a natural perfume is to look for an essential oil blend uh, that kind of meets that emotional or response that you like, relaxing, serenity, energizing, so forth and so on. That makes sense? All right. And for those out there that are kind of uh, wanting to look at the whole spectrum, there are actually even ones out there that say they're for their aphrodisiac purposes. So, uh, just look for the ones that you might like to have, do your homework, study what the effects are, and then, you know, just look, just play with them a little bit. Um, again, storage. So if you are going to go into essential oil usage, you should understand that they are volatile, like we talked about. We don't lay on the skin. Uh, they need to be diluted, but when you're storing them, they need to be in a temperature-stable area. So if you craft out in the garage, don't put those essential oils out there because uh, different variations in temperature will lessen the lifespan of your essential oils and keep them out of light. Most of the time, they will come in dark glass containers to help protect the product as much as possible, but it will not protect if you store it in an um, area that's uh, exposed to extremes. Another thing to be careful about is most essential oils are flammable. So do not store them in an area right in the kitchen. Don't store them around heat sources because they are flammable for the most part. And if you're trying to get um, a therapeutic use out of an essential oil and you're adding it to a lotion or a butter or whatever, never add an essential oil to a hot product. The mere fact that they're volatile, if you put it in a hot product, it's going to flash right on. Um, and you'll have lost the whole benefit of adding it to the product. After a couple of days, you won't even be able to smell it because there really isn't much left. So those are our maker's notes for tonight. So I hope you have enjoyed the show. It was I, I tried to cram as much as I could into it. I have a great book. I promised you last time I was going to give you the book. I'm going to give you both. I'm going to give you my favorite herbal book. I'm going to give you my favorite essential oil book. So find me out on uh, Facebook, Angela McGee. Join me there or look on WIFD Radio, and then we will post that there as well because I'm a big fan of doing your homework, understanding the herbs, understanding the oils and what they can do for you, your hair care products and your skincare products. So thank you again for joining me tonight. 
Uh, I hope you all have a blessed evening, and join us again next week where we're going to talk all about additives. So some of the things we haven't discussed as we round out this series. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me. Y'all have a good night.